You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Why do we go to church? Especially in today's world, that's a good question. Why do I go to church physically when I could stay at home in my PJs and do church online with any church I want, right? I can hear the greatest preachers, the greatest pastors in the world at any time I want. Why do I go to church? Why do I go to church? We're going to talk about that today. And I'm going to start by saying this, that as I was praying about this this past week, one of the things that God put on my heart is he just showed me that for our city and for our region more specifically, spiritually, I mean, we were what you would call, anybody heard of the Bible Belt before? If you've been in church at all, you know, Tulsa's in the Bible Belt, whatever. It's, like, it's because you go anywhere and there's, there's a, literally a church on every corner, right? Churches and quick trips are battling for uh, land, right? Like we're, it's either a quick trip or it's a, it's, it's a church, right? That, um, and they're everywhere. Why? It's because there, there's at one time specifically too, several, you know, a couple decades ago, this was such a, a hot place for uh, revival and for the Spirit of God to move. But as I was praying about this message and as I've been praying about revival, one of the things that God revealed to me is that over the, the last decade or so that there has become a, a spirit of complacency that has settled into the Christians of this area. And hear me, I've battled that. I've battled that because honestly, if we're we're honest, we got it pretty good, right? Like we're able to come here and have church together and not have to worry about being beheaded whenever we leave today. I can post a a, a verse online on Facebook and not have to worry about being shut down today. Now, I think we're trending in some dangerous directions across our nation, right? But as for us, we got it pretty good. Church has been pretty easy for a while for us, especially if you've grown up in Tulsa. But the problem with easy is easy is the quickest and the first step to complacency. The one good thing about people coming after the church, about persecution, is that the church has an opportunity to rise up and the church has an opportunity to show if it's legitimate or not. So though we don't like persecution, in many ways it's healthy because it shows us Where are we really at? Are we legit? Are we disciples or are we just a good group of people that come together and we do church, but we're not really living it out? We're not really living it out. That word complacency simply means satisfied or even worse, self-satisfied with no desire to change. That's what God put on my heart. One of the things very very early on in our ministry that God put on my heart to do in our church and in our region is that to, he just gave me this picture, to rattle the cage of the religious. Meaning this, that we, whenever it's comfortable to just, to just be complacent in my Christianity, that we need to sometimes rattle the cage and get us riled up again so that we can steward the kingdom well. The problem with complacency is that really it's pride. I don't need church. I don't need other believers. Me and Jesus, got my own, we got our own thing going on. I'll be fine. But as we're going to look at today, that's not biblical. Here's the other thing. Why do we go to church? The other thing is this. There's something called the four-generation fade. 
And I've seen this recently, people have been posting about this recently on social media, but it's called the four-generation fade, and it's this, the first generation of parents, that, or it's a group of parents that don't make church a high priority, meaning this, they miss, uh, Sunday is always a guessing game. Are we going to church or are we not? I don't know, we'll see, what, we'll see how we feel on Sunday morning when we wake up, when the alarm goes off. It's not a high priority. Usually it's not a high priority because they're not involved anywhere. No one needs me to be at church. There's no accountability. Not a high priority. Generation number two is those, those kids grow up and they make it less of a priority. So mom and dad went to church every other week. The next generation goes to church once every four to six weeks, which is the average church attendance in America right now. Once every four to six weeks. When I was growing up, we, we were at church like three times a week. Anybody else grow up with that, right? Like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Don't care how tired you are. We're going to church, somebody. Like, I don't care. You got a ball game? Too bad. We're going to church. Somebody will, you know, score the goals for you. They'll be fine. We're going to church. Church was a priority for us. But right now, it's once to every four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. That's not church attendance. Generation three grows up. So those kids grow up, and they make it no priority. This, this group, this generation grows up, and they go to church on Easter and Christmas, right? I know people in my life that that's them. I can get them to church, but only on a holiday, right? Mother's Day, that's another one to throw in there. Mom get, guilts them into going. And then finally, the fourth generation, those kids grow up, and they have no concept of God. How quick can it happen when we don't put priority on church? Why do we go to church? Why do we go to church? The truth is this, we'll never experience revival without personal commitment to the bride of Christ. We'll never experience revival without personal commitment to the bride of Christ. Why? Because the church, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the body of Christ, should be doing what Jesus would do if he was still here physically. So let's talk about this. Two reasons why revival happens through assembly. There's two reasons. We're going to talk about these two. These are very simple. Two reasons why revival happens when we assemble together. The first one is this. Number one, God's presence and his power. God's presence and his power. If you're taking notes, that's the first two fill in the blanks right there. His presence and his power. Because here's the truth. You may say, Pastor Dan, God's presence is everywhere. That's true. There's three levels to his presence. The first is this. God's omnipresence is everywhere, meaning he's everywhere at once. He's in every part of the world. He is in tomorrow. He's in your past. He sees it all. Even though we're here, he's already there, and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. The second is his inner presence is in us. When you receive Jesus, you get his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You now carry his presence with you. There's an inner presence, but here's the difference. The third one is this, his manifest presence, or a better way of saying it, or a different way of saying it, is his made known presence happens when we gather together. His made known presence, his manifest presence happens when we are gathered together as a church body. Look at Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, this is Jesus, he says, I am there in the midst of them. Have you ever been in a worship experience? Have you ever been in a church service? And maybe it was the first time you ever experienced this, but do you ever remember experiencing God's presence like never before? Like you just knew God is in the room. I don't know about you, but that's, I just had a moment like that just a little bit ago where it's just like, I don't cry often, but I can't help but just cry my face off when God is in the room. It's not a, oh, I got goosebumps, so that must be the Holy Spirit. No, it's an inner knowing that his presence is here. 
He has manifest himself in the room and amongst us because it's what Jesus said. When you gather in my name, I'll be there in the midst of them. Not in them, not by them, in the midst of them. He's in it. He's around you. He's surrounding everyone that is gathered in his name. It's his manifest presence. The manifest presence of God is the only thing that makes church different than any other organization in the world. Because there's a lot of good organizations doing good things. There's a lot of good nonprofits doing good things that are impacting the world. The only difference is that when the church gathers, his, he is here. It is his house. God shows up. But here's the balance of building church. Because we got it so good in America, many times we can build church and never experience the presence of God for years in our church services. Many times we are gathered as the church, but we aren't gathered in his name. He said, when you gather in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. We gather and we, we can easily call ourselves church, but we plan our church services in such a way that sometimes we don't make any room for the Holy Spirit to move. So we come with a plan. We say this all the time at a by church, right? Our plan is plan B. God's plan is plan A. We show up ready. And every Sunday I have usually one. Today I have a, two and a half pages of notes right here. I show up with notes. But I tell God every time before I walk up here, God, whatever you want to say is what I want to do. So if I get up here and God says, hey, we just need to run the worship set again, let's run it again. If I get up here and he says, you don't need to preach that message, you just need to pray, we're just going to pray and we'll dismiss. Why? Because this ain't my church. He's trusted me to steward it, but he's the boss. That's a presence-driven church. So do you see the difference? We can do church without the presence of God, and that, that should be alarming to us. Or we can design our church to seek after his presence to make sure that every time we gather, we're gathering in his name and not our own. We're promoting him and not our own. And because of that, he will be here and manifest himself amongst us. Does that make sense? The manifest presence of God. It's God's house. Here's what's, here's what's encouraging. Where his presence is, his power is. Where his presence is, his power is. So let's back up a verse in Matthew 18. We're going to look at verse 19. It says this, again I say to you, this is Jesus, <clears throat> if two are you, two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So once again, he says what? Two or, two or more gathered. And if you ask anything... My Father will make sure that it's done. If you ask anything, what? In my name, my Father will make sure that it's done. Why? The reason what you ask is done is because Jesus is standing there with you. So think about this. He's manifest himself in the presence of believers. So now when I pray or whenever we pray as a church in agreement with God's word, who is one of the individuals in the room that is agreeing with us? Jesus. So how can I guarantee that his power is ready and available to work in people's life every time we gather as a church? Because we gather submitted to him, he manifests himself amongst us, and now because of that, it's just like we have another individual in the room who's saying, I am in agreement with that, that aligns with God's word. And what? Whenever we do that, he says, my father will see that it's done in heaven. Man, you see that? That's good. That can't happen in my PJs at home. <laughs> Amen? Let's be real. I need to gather with other believers, not to promote myself, to glorify Jesus. That's the goal of the church. 
We're here to glorify him. We're here to steward his kingdom. It is all about him. And if we ever get off of that, we are in trouble. There's a lot I could talk about about that, but I won't get into it. Biblically, when we look at the book of Revelation, there's a lot that the book of Revelation talks about when it comes to churches and, and Jesus being in charge of it and whenever they get off and do their own thing. This is why in Deuteronomy 32, I don't have this in your notes, but it says this. <clears throat> One can chase a thousand and two can put 10,000 to flight. One can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Why? That's the spirit of God. That's the power of God. It multiplies when we get together. His power is multiplied and it's ready and it's available for us. But here's the thing too. We've got to be planted in a church. If you know somebody, or if maybe you've done, done this before, but if you, if you know people who, who go from church to church, and well, God just said we should go here for a few months, and then we're going to go here for a few months, and then we're going to go over here for a few months, and they do that. I'm not talking about, hey, I need to find a, I'm, I'm not talking about finding a place to belong. I'm talking about, hey, they've been doing that for years. That's red flags all over it. God's word says we need to be planted in the house of the Lord. Not going along as buffet style, getting whatever we want, but never being accountable to other believers. Part of church is that other people are relying on us to be there. God's people, this could be point number three, God's people are another reason why we should gather together. Because God works through people. And God is going to give someone else at your church something that you need. And the only way you're going to be able to get it is to go to his people. He wants to speak to you one-on-one, but when we gather together, he wants to use people to minister to you. God's people, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. We've got to be planted in a church. And this is what that means. You need to find a church that you can wholeheartedly be in unity with through regular attendance, tithing, and serving. That's what it means. I'm planted. This is mine. Because you don't have ownership, you don't have, until you have responsibility. Let's put it that way, Right? For my son Gavin, I'm teaching him how to, we want to teach him how to have some ownership. Like, this is your house. But it's not his house unless he's got a job to do. Like, we're learning, hey, he's got a, he's seven. He's got to start doing some more of this hard stuff, right? Like, I'm going to mow the yard a little bit, but I want, he's getting there where he can probably mow the yard here in a few years. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'll be all right. Like I said last week, he can do a little snow shoveling. It's good for him. Why? Because this is my house. This is what I do. If, this is, if, if I'm a part of this, I'm going to contribute. It's the same way with the church. I can't stand the sidelines and say this is my church. If I've done that, then I've just turned church into a movie theater. Well, I'll show up and watch the show and leave. But if I'm a part, I'm not here for the show. I'm here to serve. See what I'm saying? So look, look at Psalm, Psalm 92. It says this, For those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Man, this is so good. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Here, man, this is good. One good sign of being planted in a church is that your life is refreshed and flourishing. Does that mean sunshine and rainbows every single day? No. It means you still will face some battles. However, it means that you have learned to surround yourself with people that when you face battles, you can still go to a place that they will surround you and join their faith to your faith. They will surround you and love you and point you back to God and his word. And because of that, you will be refreshed in God. You will be flourishing in his presence. But you got to surround yourself with some people who are going to point you to God's word. The presence and the power of God is available when we assemble together, when we gather together. That's why when you don't feel like going to church, 
it's the best time to go to church. I'm not talking about I'm in the hospital, I'm sick, or, uh, you know, I got te- I've tested positive for COVID yesterday. Please, yeah, don't put us in that situation, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, hey, I had a, I had a rough week. You need to go to church. Hey, I stayed up too late last night. You need to go to church. Hey, we got a lot going on. Cool. You need to go to church. Why? Because you need refreshment. I need to be refreshed and restored and flourishing. Guess what? God's word says, where do I get that? By being planted in the house of the Lord. I'm going to try to, well, I, I stayed up late. I'm going to sleep in and get refreshed. You can't refresh yourself spiritually. You've got to go into his presence. You can spend time one-on-one with him. Again, I'm focusing on why we gather. You can spend time one-on-one with him and get refreshed. However, one of the best things you can do is go to church, surround yourself with people, worship, and get refreshed. I had a rough week. Cool. We'll see you at church. Refreshed and flourishing. Come on, somebody. You guys all right? Point number two is this. Purpose is achieved through assembly. Why do we gather together? Why is it important that the church comes together? Why is it important that we're physically here today? It's vital because without it, you lack purpose and the church has no purpose. Let me get to it. Whenever Gavin, we started making Gavin's Christmas list this last year, this was the number one thing he wanted, okay? Lego Millennium Falcon. This thing is almost, it's 1,300 pieces, almost 1,400 pieces. Yeah, this is, he's seven years old, okay? So this is, we bought this by faith (laughs) that he could put it together, right? I had to help. Um, But here's what was so exciting. Gavin opened this up on Christmas. He was so pumped, so pumped to get it. All of the pieces for the Millennium Falcon were gathered together in this box. There were a bunch of individual bags inside the box. They were all gathered together. But when I dumped this box out, did that Millennium Falcon just come out completed? No. Gathering is good, but assembling is better. Gathering is good. Oh, it's exciting. Look at all these pieces. But if they're not assembled, they have no purpose. What does this tiny one little brick do? I don't know, because <laughs> it's not in its place. Once it finds its place, it finds its purpose. So the box is great. Oh, we're gathered together. And Gavin was so nervous about me bringing this in here today. So <laughs> please, Jesus, don't let me drop it. <laughs> this has purpose. This has great potential. I can play a lot of different things with this. I can do a lot of different things with this. This thing opens up. It's got rooms inside. It came with little figurines. This thing is legit, okay? But what about it? The thing is, it took some work to get the right piece in the right spot. But once the pieces got to their spot, they assembled to their position, now we have purpose. Now we see the big picture. Now we can move forward. Now we're not worried about, well, what's going to happen if this happens or that happens or if I lose this piece? No, we're not worried about it because it's in its spot. And once I get it locked in its spot, now we can move forward. So the Lego box versus the assembled Millennium Falcon gathered versus assembly. Each part of that Lego set has individual worth, 
right? But even the smallest of pieces missing can hinder the whole project from fulfillment of its purpose. Even the smallest piece missing can hinder the whole project from fulfilling its purpose. That's the local church. Well, I just don't know where I fit. This is a unique piece. We'll use this. Well, I'm just so unique. You know, there's got to be just one spot that I can go to, right? And if I don't get that spot, then I don't want to be a part. I'll go to the next Lego set. This by itself is cool, but it ain't as cool as that. Okay? Individually, we have uniqueness, we have purpose, but it ain't as good as that. It's not until I'm assembled that I truly understand my worth and my strength and my purpose. Because all of those three things, worth, strength, and purpose, is increased when all the bricks come together. This is is flimsy. But all these things, when they are assembled together, it's actually very difficult to break. I can carry it around. I can play with it. Gavin plays with it like it's one huge piece. Why? Because they're locked together tight. And this is why Hebrews says this. Hebrews 10, 24 through, through 25 says this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. This is gathering. He says what? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not just forsaking getting together. Not just, I used to read this, not just, and I think maybe some of the, the um, translations say this, not just gathering together, not just don't forsake having cool services together, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, meaning this, as we get closer to the end, as we get closer to Jesus coming back, church attendance shouldn't be going down, physical church attendance should be going up. It's biblical. Not just attendance, assembly should be going up. Don't forsake the assembling together. We assemble together. Why? Because we have work to do. There's jobs to be done. Look at Ecclesiastes 4. It says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Do you see this contrast? If... When you're together, if you fall, if they fall, what? You can get back up. But when you're alone, it's not if. When you fall, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get back on your feet. I must be assembled with the church. A crowd doesn't make a church. A good sermon doesn't make a church. A nice program doesn't make a church. A crowd becomes a church when the people become assembled together. An assembly happens when the mission isn't just something we do, but it's who we are. Well, I showed up and I I volunteered, so I'm good. No, but did you do it? Did you serve somebody on Tuesday when you had the worst day ever? Did you still carry the vision of living, loving, and looking like Jesus to your boss whenever he chewed you out for no reason? That's being assembled. It's not just that I have, I'm good because I served or I, I paid my tithe this week, but am I living it out during the week? It's not a place that I go. Church is who I am. Church is who I am. A church becomes my church when I actively and consistently attend, give, and serve. It's that simple. Actively, consistently. Why? I just showed you a little bit earlier. Generations are at stake. How I treat church will result in how my kids will treat church. 
Generations are at stake. I can't afford to be passively complacent in my attendance, my giving, or my serving. I can't afford it. My, a church becomes my church when I'm actively, consistently attending, giving, and serving. This is why, a little side note, anytime we consider somebody at our church for a leadership position, meaning they're going to oversee other people, the first thing I look at is their tithing record. You may say, Pastor, that sounds a little legalistic. Well, Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Why would I put somebody in leadership if their heart's not even for the church? Right? I love you enough to make sure that if I put anyone in leadership at this place, that they're all in for a by church and not themselves. That's our heart. Let's look at this. Matthew 9. I'll wrap up with this. Matthew 9 says this. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. A couple things to note here. When Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. This is why the goal isn't a big crowd at church, but the goal is an assembled people. Why? You can have a huge crowd, (laughs) but it still breaks the heart of Jesus because inside they're scattered like sheep without a shepherd. The goal of church is not a big crowd. Now I'm going to tell you this. When I close my eyes and I see the vision for our church down the road, I see thousands of people. I hope you're prepared for that. Don't, don't despise the small beginnings. God's going to do a work in our church. But here's what we have to realize. We, if we have thousands of people coming, but a small percentage that are assembled for purpose reasons, helping, contributing, doing their part, we're missing the mark. We have so much more that we could do if we would hear the heart of Jesus, not just Pastor Dan twisting my arm so I will serve, hear the heart of Jesus. He's looking for laborers, laborers. We'll get back to that in just a second. Here's what we have to remember. Jesus did more with an assembled 12 than a crowd of 5,000 consumers. 5,000, upwards of 15,000 people, right? Jesus feeds the 5,000. There's upwards of 15,000 people. Do we know any of their names? No. Who do we talk about? The boy who had the faith to give his lunch when it didn't make sense. I'll give you all, my whole lunch, not a piece of my lunch. I'm going to give you my lunch, Jesus. Why? Because you asked for it. Not because it's so great, because you asked for it. Then what do we see? The disciples who had faith to at least go and pull off chunks of food and give it to people. And just by faith, there's going to be more when I reach back again. Do we know the other people that were sitting there on their butts consuming? No. Jesus did more with 12 assembled rather than 15,000 gathered. This is cool. It's all in the box. They're here. Look at how big the crowd is. But are they doing anything? Man, let that not be said of us. Let that not be said of my life. I love Jesus, but am I doing anything? Again, a part of the church, yes, but outside of church as well. My heart breaks for the people of our city and of our region. I used to pray to God, God, send me, the, uh, send me that person that just won the jackpot. 
Send me that person that just won the lotto, right? They're, they're looking to give their tithe somewhere. Just send them to me. Let them cut that tithe check. Can I tell you, God never sent them. You know who God did send me? You. God sent me you. And I'm so thankful. Because I would rather take people who are hungry for more of God, who says, I'm all in. Not because your tithe check is so big or or because it's so small, but because every piece assembled makes the purpose and mission go. There are some of the smallest pieces in here that you can ever imagine, but it's in the guts of this thing. And without those small pieces, this thing has no shape. This thing has no structure. It's got no bones to even be assembled to look like the Millennium Falcon. So I don't care. (laughs) You may be like a little boy with his lunch, and it's a small lunch. And you say, Jesus, this isn't enough. Pastor Dan, I don't have much to give. My tithe isn't huge. My my time isn't great. My talent doesn't seem like very much. I don't know. It's not much. But can I tell you, Jesus isn't looking for much. He's just saying, will you trust me enough to give what you got? The boy had a lunch. Not that great of a lunch either. But guess what? We talk about him today. Why? Because he just said, Jesus, if you asked, I'll give it. I'll give it. Guess what? When we all come together, doesn't matter how big our tithe is, how small it is, when we come together, purpose is fulfilled. Every bill can be paid. Every need in our church family can be met. We can help out, like I just shared a little bit earlier, families in need. New buildings can be built. New properties can be purchased. We can expand our space so that we can welcome more people. More people can be reached. Why? Because we're all doing our part. We all said, I'll work. I'll serve. I can help. Laborers. Translated literally as this, a common field worker. Not a celebrity or a perfectly qualified individual with a bunch of degrees on the wall. I'm not bashing anyone who's got degrees on the wall. But I'm just saying, I got a criminal justice degree. This wasn't my plan, but God called me. And I I was willing to say yes. That's the laborers that we are looking for. I got this degree so I'm qualified to have this position. I have this degree, and I'm qualified to be this, this gun on top of the Millennium Falcon. What if God asks you to be a foundation piece that no one will ever see that's sandwiched underneath three or four pieces? You still all in? I'm qualified to be the main thing, the first thing people see. I'm qualified to be the cockpit over here. What if God says, I'm going to put you in a place that no one ever sees. No one ever says thanks because it's so far behind the scenes. Am I still all in? That's assembled. That's being assembled. Someone who's willing to get dirty, work hard, and help wherever there is a need. Here's the other side of it is this. A couple of warnings as I wrap up. As long as you remain enamored by the uniqueness of your peace and who you are, Instead of the contribution of your part, you will miss out on the blessing of revival together. Let me say it again. As long as you remain enamored by the uniqueness of your peace, I'm so great. I'm a gift to the church. I should be doing that. I should be in this leadership role. Instead of being like, I'm willing to contribute to the whole, you'll miss out on revival. You'll miss it every time. 
When you become assembled, it gives purpose to the individual pieces. Let us remind all of us, you were not, I'm saying this to myself as well, as well you were not a gift to the church. The church, church is a gift to you. Right? The church, <laughs> the church is not a spiritual talent show where everyone gets their five minutes of fame every Sunday. That's not it. It's not about us. It's not about me. The church isn't about you. It's about us assembling together. And though I may be very unique, I may be very qualified to do something, Jesus is looking for laborers who say, I don't care where I am. How can I help? How can I be a part so that I can get the purpose of a mission moving forward? It's not about how can the whole serve my peace. It's how can my peace contribute to the whole, even if I'm never seen. Last thing is this. You ever stepped on a Lego? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. It'll, it'll make you want to say some naughty words, okay? <laughs> you ever step on a Lego? You know what I'm talking about. It'll make you want to throw them in the trash. I'm throwing the, I don't care how much we spend on this. It's going in the trash, okay? <laughs> but hear me. When you don't assemble together, not only will you miss out on your purpose, but you actually become a stumbling block to other people. You're some random Lego that somebody steps on, and guess what? You stumbled them, and you kept them from God. That's what happens when we do, we do not assemble. When you don't assemble, not only will you miss out on your purpose, it gives you purpose. What am I here for? Ah, I can see the big picture. But you actually become a stumbling block for other people. So why do we go to church? Because we get to experience God's presence, and where his presence is, his power is. If I don't feel like going to church, I need to go to church. We discover our purpose when we assemble in the right position. There's a lot of different ways that you can assemble. An easy way, a practical way, is you can join the A-team if you're not already. There's little cards on each of our tables. It says join the A-team on the back. It's got different things. It's the best way to get to know people. If you're here and you've been, you're like, I don't really know anybody, get on the A-team. Start serving. You'll get to know people really fast. Serving on the A-team is the best form of a small group you'll ever be in. It's the best form of a small group you'll ever be in. Why? Because you're serving a common purpose. You're serving a common purpose. Second thing is this. Maybe you haven't started tithing. This is your church, but you haven't made it your church by tithing consistency. The first 10% of your income, biblically we see, goes what? To the local church. It goes to the bride of Christ, more specifically. Maybe that's your step today. Pray about it. Trust God. Do what he tells you to do. Another way is simply this, praying. We have families in our church, many of you, that are hurting right now, that are hurting and needing. You need to be praying for your church, praying for your church family. And by doing so, you invite God to move on their behalf. Even if you don't have all the details, you don't need the details. Pray, pray. Going to church is one of the easiest things that we can do. But we always have to remember it's not about gathering. Gathering's great. It's a good first step. Check that out. Check it out. But we need to assemble together. Once we assemble, we find purpose and we can make an impact. Let's be a church that assembles and does great things for the kingdom of God. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of the church, the bride of Christ that we get to steward. Lord, we're honored that we even get to be a part of it. 
that you've invited us to be a part of it, that you've invited us to be in your family. And God, I just pray today you would let this take root in our heart and help us put it into action. Give us the boldness to walk it out. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.